podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. breath back yet welcome back to that chelsea podcast for the final time in 2023 after 47 outings of a pod this year we bring it to an end discussing just another crazy game in chelsea season joining me on the podcast for what is also the 150th episode of the podcast it's mr patrick larson pat how are we doing my man well nick first of all i'm honored to be on for your 150th episode i really appreciate the opportunity to be on i'm good after uh, a very uh, a, a good about what 80 minutes of a game and then the last 15 15 minutes or so uh just absolute stress which is which is the way i normally am watching a chelsea match but um just pleased with the three points and i know we'll get into all of that but really happy to be on and congratulations on 150 episodes thank you and thank you to all the listeners as well as always do guess i get them to give themselves a plug so pat tell people where they can find you um, so you, you can find me on both Twitter and uh, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, or, and Instagram, um, at, it's at, at PTP underscore C O Y B more recently. It's just been kind of every now and then kind of giving my thoughts on what's going on, um, more chat with Pat segments more so than the match reviews and previews, but I'm hoping to get back into that in 2024 and be just more consistent with the content. So, um, Please be sure to check it out. For those that are still along for the ride, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, just uh, just love talking about this football club with anyone that wants to talk about it. Lovely, lovely stuff. Pets links will be in the description below. Yeah, as you all aware, Chelsea beat Luton in the early kickoff. So first of all, then Chelsea won the early kickoff for the first time since November 2021, a 3-0 win against Leicester under Thomas Tuchel. It had been quite a wait, quite a wait, people. Uh, the victory... Also meant that Maurizio Pochettino has taken charge of more Premier League away games against promoted sides without losing than any other manager in the competition's history. 19 wins and two draws and 90.5% win rate. And as said, Chelsea have now won and Chelsea have won all their games against the newly promoted sides this season. Um, Pat, there is only one place to start. And that is with our first goal scorer. And I mean, he's the man involved in all three goals. It is Mr... Cole Palmer. Actually, before we do that, Pat, before we do that, just let me know just what were your thoughts as I said watching watching that game? Because that was you probably had about two or three different Chelsea games in one in that. Absolutely. Um, I think that I think overall we played we, I thought we were okay. I, I I didn't think it was like a I didn't think it was a sterling performance by any stretch, but um I guess the thing is that we were we were very un un Chelsea like and that we were clinical. Like when we had chances to score, we actually had fierce shots. And usually we just have kind of like tame shots that we put near the keeper where we make it really easy for him. But we actually we actually had three good goals. And um but then but then defensively, I thought that we were fortunate fortunate through probably the first 75 minutes of the game because Luton really did take it, take it to us. It's just that they were in open play, they weren't really converting a lot of their chances. And then in the last in the last 15, 20 minutes, it's like everything that they were putting in was connecting. And we were, we were proving just how dreadful we are defensively at defending um, set pieces. I'm more, moreover in this game, defending crosses. 
And um, so, yeah, I mean, o- overall, uh, this for me is it's more important that we get the points, especially getting points on the road where we've been absolutely dreadful, um, you know, away, away from away from the bridge. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you can say it's three games. I mean, it's it, it, there, there's the positive side and that we were clinical and we looked, I thought, fairly comfortable for the first 75 minutes or so. But then then you got the other side where we look like we just absolutely lost the plot for that last 15 to 20 minutes. And um, it, 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 I think that we, I think this is a big win for confidence, but I also think it shows that we still have a lot of room to grow. Indeed. Indeed. Right. Let's get into the man of the hour. That is Cole Palmer. I'm just going to throw some stats your way. People Cole Palmer is the first Chelsea player to be directly involved in 10 plus goals in the premier league this season, eight goals, four assists, he also has the joint most Premier League goal involvements for Chelsea in 2023-12, alongside Raheem Sterling with 12, and Cole Palmer only joined in September, people. Um, yeah, no player scored more than him in Premier League this season. He has and said being involved in those 12 uh, Premier League goals, eight goals for us, the only player currently aged 21 or under to be involved in more in Europe's top five leagues this term is a certain Mr. Jude Bellingham. Cole has, scored, but has both scored and assisted in four different Premier League games this season, more than any other player. Uh, for Chelsea this season, he's put the most passes into the box in 74, most chances created 27, most goal involvements 12, most goals there, as we already know, most big chances created 7, and most assists 4. Just some crazy, crazy numbers for you there. And his game by numbers, V Luton, 100% take ons completed 2 out of 2, 38 touches, 5 shots, 3 shots on target, 3 touches in the opposition box, 2 chances created, 2 goals, 1 assist. I mean, Pat, Cole Palmer. If all people want to be critical about Chelsea's business and their prioritising of buying young players, they certainly hit the jackpot with Cole Palmer. What a player. Incredible player. And and it only took us until deadline day to really hit on a player, right? So it's, uh, I mean, he's just, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And there were people saying, and and I, I, I was pleased with the signing. I didn't think that he'd hit the ground running like he has. I mean, from the time that he's, you know, gotten into the 11, he's, he just kind of grabbed it with both hands and um, has really made himself the first, one of the first names, if not the first name on the team sheet, every, every, every match. Um, He's, he's creative. He's clinical. He, uh, he works hard. Uh, He's, he's one of the few players on the pitch that consistently seems to have at least an idea of what he's going to do. And um yeah, I mean, there's there's been a few games here and there where he's not been at his best, but that's going to happen over the course of a season. But I, I don't think you can you can underscore just how important he is for this Chelsea side now. I think that he's one of those. If we have an undroppable player in our eleven, he, he certainly makes the shout for being that 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 player. He's uh, he's he, he still plays with confidence, which is nice because a lot of times we have players come in and they may play conf- they may be confident for the first two or three games, but once they kind of get into ry- to the rhythm of the side, that confidence goes. So it's nice to see him still playing with that uh, confidence with a little bit of arrogance at times, I think. And he likes to, he likes to have some fun on the pitch. I remember when we played Man City, when he, when he tried to get into the Man City uh, circle to try to, and, and uh, Erling Holland pushed him away. Uh, it, so he's got a, he's got a character. He, he's got a character about him. He's got great skill and what a signing he's been. I mean, that, what was he like? Forty-five million pounds with the, when when all said and done, and that that looks like a snip of business compared to other pieces of business that we've done. So, really, really pleased with Cole, and long may this continue. Yep, and his first goal 
is really but what what was so satisfying about today, as I said, is one, I can't remember the last time Chelsea were three 0 up in a game without really completely dominating, without, you know, having loads of chances. A game where Chelsea did have to ride various loot and storms at points prior to before they eventually caved in. And it was just nice to be watching a Chelsea game, then be freeing them up and go, yeah, they've played quite well. It's been a solid professional performance, but they've not really overexerted themselves or, you know, you know, been exceptional. That was largely down to one of those individuals in Carl Palmer. The first goal, again, I just really like the fact that Luton play out from the back. It's a misplaced pass and we punish him for it because how many times people have we bemoaned Chelsea being punished for making mistakes and, you know, it's nice for Shu to be on the other foot and Chelsea to to punish uh, Luton and say it's a really, really great finish from, from Cole Palmer there. Uh, and that great celebration as well. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what a celebration as well. Indeed, indeed. And it was just so nice to Chelsea to go away, uh, you know, go ahead early away from home and said Chelsea had, you know, struggled away from home, but this was their first win since that crazy game at Tottenham. And it was just really nice for Chelsea in a difficult place because it is worth noting that Liverpool only got a draw there and that was due to a last-minute equaliser. City only won 2-1 there. Arsenal, you know, conceded free and needed a last-minute winner there to, to get the job done. So it was nice for for large parts of that game for Chelsea to look fairly, fairly comfortable and say Cole Palmer's performance was a large reason why he gets that first goal. It's a really nice finish. Um, he lays on a second. Uh, he gets his assist by laying on a, a nice ball for Nonny Madueke, but that is mainly more Nonny Madueke brilliance, and we'll get on to him in a bit. And I said that third goal is just sublime. It's a lovely, lovely play from Jackson, who I'll also get on to a bit later, for his all-round performance, who plays Cole in, and he, you know, takes touch, sits the keeper down, and it's just so much composure. I mean, because Pat, there's like, you look at, there's a number of Luton players sort of near that, near that goal as well, but just for composure, like I said, that is, I mean, that is just a, saucy saucy goal like one of the I said Malagusto's turn against Crystal Palace was saucy that this was this goal you know today that was something else yeah that that third goal was just wow and you're going okay this is maybe this is sort of the Cole Cole Palmer's crowning moment at Chelsea so far no I completely agree and and when you think about the fact that he was in such a tight space and you're and you're and that first touch that he took which made all the difference in that goal but yeah, I mean, I think saucy is the absolutely right word. I mean, the, the fact that he can, that he has the confidence to do that in that kind of tight space and to, and to finish it the way he did, uh, you know, I want, we want to see more of that. And it's uh, uh, just made me love him even more because um, as we'll get into that, that turned out to be a huge goal uh, for, for, for more reasons than one. So not only was it a saucy goal, but it was such an important, a vitally important goal at the end of the day, because we could, if he doesn't score that, we may be having a different conversation uh, during this podcast. Yeah. That's why they call him Cole Palmer, in it. Into uh, use the words Facts. of, of Nonny Madawaki. And we shall get on to Mr. Madawaki. Been a pretty good, pretty damn good week for Nonny. Uh, he yep. gets a lovely goal today. He saved most passes in the final third, 15, most touches in the opposition box, six, most chances created, three, most take-ons completed, three, second most tackles, five, second most possession, one, five. Um, Pat, what was really nice is because obviously I, I get to the end there, tackle, second most tackles, five as well. That was a proper all-round shift from Nonny, you know. His defensive work was, you know, something that was a bit of a, a weakness in his game, something to, he needed to improve on. But we saw today that was just a proper all-round performance for, from Nonny Madueke, wasn't it? Absolutely. Completely agree. And it's amazing how the narrative can change on a player from week to week. Like, what was it last week or the week before? We're hearing that, um, you know, he's out of favor and that he might be on his way out for a loan or he might be on his way out of the club in January. And then 
uh, he, he gets a chance and he takes it. Um, I think there's been a lot down to what Poch has been doing with Madueke. I mean, obviously, there's obviously been some tension with um, with the way he trains and and maybe some of the off the field stuff that that uh, Poch has not been pleased with. But I think I think when you've seen him get on the pitch, he's when he's gotten his chance, he's taken it. Now that he's now that he's now that he's fit and he's getting a little bit of a run of games, he's been very very important. I mean, he's the reason he's one of the reasons that we've gotten two wins on the trot. Um, you know, that, that big, you know, burying that big penalty, you know, in, in the previous game was, was huge. I mean, that spared our blushes in that game. And um, instead of being another stat for, you know, being charity FC against crystal palace. And, um, and today he, like you said, he put in an all around shift. I thought he was, he put in that work that, that Potts likes to see from his wingers. It's one of the reasons that Sterling is always starting is because um, Potts likes the work rate that he puts in. Um, as madden as as maddening as sterling can be at times he 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 puts in the work on both sides and that's what that's what Poch just wanted to see out of madweke so i'm glad to see that he got rewarded for his good performance against palace with a start today and he and he um he paid off that faith by just putting in a really good performance and a really good goal um it was nice to see uh, N- uh, nani using his right foot for a change he usually just cuts in with his left and he's you know he's he's left foot heavy but he, he he i think he showed today that he that that right foot can can uh can really be a useful tool for him because i mean that was a rocket of a shot um you know and he kind of he kind of had the angle against him too but you know kind of putting it top bins it was really really nice to see and um and again another big goal because it contributed to an important three points yeah yeah no an outstanding week for noni madawakin says gives Mauricio Pochettino nice selection headaches to look forward to now all of a sudden you've got mudrick in some form noni's coming to coming to the forward said Raheem Sterling doesn't see the pitch today and I think you know none of us are really complaining or making any sort of big deal of that and said Cole Palmer comes back into the side after suspension and he just drops a, a top quality performance like that and it was really really nice to see obviously a person who I do want to also give give a word to is Nicholas Jackson I thought actually him and Armando worked pretty tirelessly throughout it was nice to see I think on Armando just him be involved in the game a bit more still you know I think there's areas to improve on and you know his initial like you know Game the ball was good, and is what he did with it afterwards. It was restrained, but I thought Jackson had another really solid game. They said we're, we're indebted to him in injury time as well for sort of making an attack and winning a goal kick late in about the fourth or fifth minute of injury time to help sort of slow the pace and sort of kill the game down a little bit. But he obviously is the one who gets that assist for Cole Palmer. It's a really nice assist. Ball's played into him, sort of holds off, turns the defender, and then you know puts Cole Palmer through. Pat Nicholas Jackson has not got the goals in these last couple of games, but I actually think his all round game has been something. That's been really encouraging. That's been something that's, you know, obviously we want to strike to score goals, and that is many what they will be judged on. But also, you do want their all round game to to have bits to it. And his all round game, I think, in these last two games has been really, really impressive. No, I agree. Um, I, I don't quite understand. You see a lot on on X and or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of people that talk about he's the worst uh, player that they've that they've seen in a Chelsea shirt, or that he shouldn't be playing as a striker. I think we forget that he's 20. And that he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, goes, like the, people say he's the worst Chelsea striker they've seen. him like, people, are you sure? Like, like yeah. I, I, I've got a little love for Timo Werner, but you literally gave him a more willing and patient with, with Timo Werner than you are with Nicholas Jackson. And look, maybe that's because Timo Werner was a bit more endearing in Pax. So was, you know, he had a, more of a track record, so there was more belief that he could turn yeah. around. But yeah, I do have to say, I think some of the way the treatment of Jackson compared to other Chelsea forwards of the past has been slightly bizarre. To me, yeah, but yeah, I, sorry, Pat, continue. I said, 
Exactly. Yeah, no, um, no, I, I, I think you're right. And I think that um, it's okay to be critical of, of his performances at times because he does have a lot to work on. He's still young. He's still raw. But we have to remember he hasn't even had a full season as a, as a proper forward. And he, and um, I mean, at Villarreal, he, I think he played half a season as a forward and he, and, you know, then, then he got that, those what, eight goals in nine, in nine matches or whatever it was that, that kind of led Chelsea to signing him. And he's in his first season in the Premier League and he's already, how many goals does he have to his name now? Like he's already got like what eight or something along those lines seven, for the season. Seven in the Premier League. He seven got a nice Prem. assist today, and he's got eight, eight, eight in all comps, isn't it? With Carabao. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Well, so he's already got eight goals in all competitions, and he's and like you said, Mick, he's already contributing when he isn't scoring. He's he's especially the last two games, he's been contributing to goals being scored, and um, you know, again, he's twenty. So let, let's get let's give him some time to. To, to bed into the team. I mean, he's, and he's already got a fairly decent return. It's, I mean, it's, it's more than we got out of any of our forwards last season. Like, I mean, I remember the time when Jorginho was our leading scorer from basically seven PKs. So it's, so we have to remember, like, let's not, beggars can't be choosers. I mean, we're, you know, in the situation we're in that he's who we've got. And, um, and, and, and um, I thought that he played really well today, playing a little bit out of position for him, but I thought he did. I thought he did really well. Usually whenever Jackson and Broya play together, they kind of get in each other's way. Uh, and today I kind of thought that they used, they played to their strengths and they stayed out of each other's way. And they, they started doing what they do. They, they, they contributed to the game, what they do best. Um, and instead of trying to run in, run into each other's channels, like I thought Broya held up the ball well today, but as you said, it was his decision-making after it that was, that left a lot to be desired, but he, he, his link-up play was good and he held up the ball really well, which are two of his strengths as a forward. So, um, but yeah, but Jackson, I think Jackson deserves a little bit more credit than he's been getting. And, you know, obviously he's heard some of the noise when he's made, when he made some comments earlier in the week about, you know, people have been making noise, but he's trying not to listen to it. And, you know, now that he's going to be going off to the Africa Cup of Nations, um, I think we'll miss him. I really do. I mean, I think he's been important, important part of what we've been doing. And uh, other guys have to step up in his absence. Yeah, indeed. said seven goals, two assists in 19 Premier League games for the 22-year-old forward. And as I said, if you look back to that like first game, he probably could have had, he could have, he could have had two more assists in that game as well as said his all-round game is you know is is showing signs of signs of improvement it was just pretty nice said as well and I said you know he's probably knackered as well at the end of that game he's played three games in the space of six days uh, and I'll get onto that point a bit later as well but he's making useful important defensive work at the end as well and just helping us see how to win said yeah I'm really pleased with the week Nicholas Jackson has just had another person who I was really really pleased with a couple I'm really pleased with today one of them was Moises Caicedo um he was the only he won 11 jewels on that pitch today, I thought Moises Caicedo was outstanding. I said there was also a really nice moment in their game where he's like by the touchline. He's a free two or three looting players around him. And he somehow manages to get past him and keep the ball in play as well. I just thought Moises Caicedo was absolutely outstanding today. And he, at times he was sort of just running back midfield on his own at points with, with, with where Connor was. But he, he was Moises Caicedo. You know, it's been some, certainly some criticism or questioning of him. Uh, but I thought he was outstanding today. I agree. And I think, I think Moises is at his best when we're not talking about him because he does a lot of those. He, it's a lot like uh, N'Golo Conte. I, and I'm not trying to say they're the exact same player because they're not, but th- they're willing to do a lot of the work. That's the the ugly sides of the game. Um, and 
when you're not talking about them, because sometimes we don't, you, um, we talk more about the goals or the, you know, the, the golosos or the, um, or, or there's big moments of a game, but, but it's all those little moments of the game with breaking up, with breaking up, tack, breaking, you know, going in for a big tackle, breaking up play, um, running down, you know, running around the pitch to try to, you know, help out the, to shield the defense. I mean, these are all things that we remember Angolo Conte doing, and those are things that Moises Caicedo is willing to do. And so I think a lot of times when we don't talk about him, that's a lot of times when he has some of his best performances. And, it's, and I think he's starting to settle in and be more comfortable in this Chelsea side. And when we're starting to see some of that Moises Caicedo that we, that, that we wanted to see when we signed him. And, and overall, I don't think he's been, he's been bad. He's had a couple of shaky performances and sometimes he has a little bit of indiscipline when he gets like a yellow card or he gets like a borderline red card. And so he's got to work on that. But overall, like today is a good example of what kind of a player we signed. And he's only going to get better. He's only going to mature. And he wa- And the most important thing is he wants to be here. It's a, it was his dream to play for Chelsea. And um, those are the kind of players I want putting on that shirt for this club. Yeah, yeah he was outstanding as well. Levi Cowell also, I thought, had a really, you know, proper performance. He'd had a couple of ropey games, you know, at left back recently. But I thought today he was he was pretty solid. Made it said, made, obviously, I know there's a question about potentially limiting how he can be going forward. But also, I think he has a nice role to play you know has a nice part to play in, in that um second goal you think he's the one who you know yeah. that attack down gets it to palmer who then gets it to madawaki but yep. he was really good and said he won more tackles than any other chelsea player on the pitch against the seven and only moises caicedo with 11 won more than his 10 jewels on pitch as well um pat but it would kind of be remiss not to talk about tiago silva um we kind of saw his reaction at full time he was probably thinking what have i just gone through like he's he's the senior player on that pitch and while kind of a lot of the chelsea players are potentially losing their heads he's keeping a calm head he's like he's a he's like an adult trying to keep hold of you know keep a bunch of children who have just you know had a sugar ass under under control it felt like but only Gary Cahill 15 v Burnley and Cesar Aspilicueta 13 v Newcastle made more clearances in a Premier League game for Chelsea since the start of the 16-17 season than Thiago Silva did against Luton today 12. I basically just learned this season on the podcast to just stop questioning Thiago Silva and stop potentially writing him off, writing him off after he has a bad game because he was exceptional today and he was a big reason why we did not end up throwing away that 3-0 lead. He's just, yeah, a monster of a back and it's just a, a big, big performance from him. I completely agree. And I say it every time I talk about him. We're so lucky to have a player like that. If anything, for just not only for his class on the pitch, but also just his his leadership qualities, his demand for, you saw how angry he was at the, you know, at full time today because of how we made that harder than it needed to be. Um, You don't, you don't see that a lot anymore. Um, He's a guy that demands excellence. He demands discipline and he leads by example. And um, he was, I I think it was at the end full time. He was pushing away the camera because he was like, you know, we're, I'm still not, we may have gotten the three points, but I'm not pleased with how that ended because he, he, he demands a certain standard and he, he was exceptional. Uh, he led that back line today um, for all the, for all the misgivings that that back line has. One thing that I can never question is his leadership. Um, I've never been a fan of people, you know, trying to say he shouldn't be starting for us anymore or anything like that. I've not been a fan of that because as long as Tiago Silva's in this in in this Chelsea team, I think he's going to play. And um, until guys can prove that they can they they can outperform him for a place in the side, I think it still needs to be a meritocracy. And until guys can really out outplay him and prove that they deserve to be in over him, I think he'll keep playing because he he puts in 
he may have a bad game here and there, but he comes back with them with a sterling performance after it. And he just has those intangibles that we need because we're such a young side and we're an indisciplined side a lot of the time um, and, and allow ourselves to get our heads down. A lot of the time we need, we need an old head like that. Um, and a guy that still plays like he's half the age that he is. Um, o Monstro is just a world-class footballer, uh, a world-class person. And we're so lucky to have him at Chelsea football club. Yeah, and really nice at the end, his son uh, hugging his yep. son who was in the away end. So they now oh, fairly, fairly impressive to get into that get that way. Not sure he can, not sure he would have had a loyalty push required, but uh, it's fine. We'll let that one, we'll let that one pass. Um, actually, one more player because I will, you know, maybe this will link into the conversation. Petrovic, uh, outstanding. I thought, you know, in these previous games, I'm not sure we've necessarily learned much about him, or you know, he's not, he's not really been much to learn from his performances because he's not, not really had to to do loads but today he 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 also was a big part in saving our bacon with some incredible saves yeah um i'm just pleased for petrovic that he's finally getting a chance to play um you know he, he came in he he was able to bide his time and he um i thought he had, should have had chances way before he did uh, even though it took a it took an injury to sanchez for that to happen i think i think he's going to provide a selection headache for potch when uh when sanchez is fit and ready to come back because to me, Petrovic hasn't really put a foot wrong. I mean, he's when he's been called upon, he's been, you know he's done he's done a great job, and it's he's looking like the player that I remember seeing at New England Revolution here um, in MLS. Here, I mean, he's I mean he he was out he was outstanding um, in MLS for New England Revolution, and he's now gone to a, a much higher standard of football, and uh, and and he's acquitted himself really well so far. Um, it's nice to see a sure pair of hands, like you know, grabbing crosses when we need it. Um, not, I'm not seeing harebrained passes that you, you know, that, that, that I'm used to seeing in the past few years. Um, he's able to shot, shot, stop shots from outside the 18, which is nice. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's just nice to have a competent goalkeeper back there. And, uh, I think he's got, I think he's going to give a shout for, t- to, to, to keep his place when, uh, when, uh, Robert Sanchez is fit again. We did have one of our listener questions, which I'll throw in now. It came in from Andy, who said Petrovic should stay on the side when Sanchez returns. Andy, for me, if Petrovic had been, well, I would say before today, Petrovic hadn't done anything to make, you know, to say he must stay on this side. But he also hadn't done anything to make you go, he must stay out the side, you know, when, when Sanchez returns. And I don't think Sanchez had done really much. Well, you know, in the recent weeks in his performances to, you know, suggest anything about him staying in the side. But Petrovic today made, so I mean, that save from Carlton Morris's header. Wow, and he made you know just some really important stops in that game to to help us. Also, I do have to rate him winding up the Luton fans very early on in that game. Like he was essentially sort of time wasting. It felt like from about the 50th minute onwards, and I don't think he got booked. That was a masterclass in in time wasting and winding up uh, home fans. So also, you get some extra kudos and street cred from me for that, Mister Petrovic. But I think for me, yeah, I mean, if he if he if Sanchez returns to the side, like I won't be furious. But I would kind of be slightly disappointed in Pochkin, but I think Petrovic hasn't done anything to be dropped and, you know, actually has enhanced his case in, in these few games that he has had. Yeah. I mean, and until Robert Sanchez really, you know, performs to the level where he's unquestionably the number one, you know, you know, you know, um getting the number one shirt, um, I, I think that uh I think Petrovic has every right to make a case and uh games like today are certainly not gonna hurt his chances and that's exactly what you want. You want you want to have selection headaches for the manager because 
That means that because if he has a selection headache, that means people are available, the most important thing. And um and that and you hope that both are performing well to where it's a selection headache for the for the manager. And right now, if I had to pick between the two, Petrovic would be my number one. Yeah, fair enough. And I think quite a few Chelsea fans would agree with you with you there. Well, I will also just give a mention to Alfie Gilchrist at the end, who came on from Portugal. Probably should have come on earlier, but I will say that that tackle he made on doubt at the end was probably celebrated by me and many like like we'd scored a goal. That was a big yeah, yes, get in. I was just I was I was just about to say he done. might as well have scored a goal because that was I mean that was really important. But I, I just like the intensity the intensity that Alfie has when he comes on the pitch. Like in his debut, he he was just running around like a madman, like putting putting his head on the line to try to to, to try to block to try to block a a pass, and I mean he just. It's those kind of guys that I want to see wearing the shirt because they're willing to give everything. Not to sound like Graham Potter, but you know he gave everything. And um, indeed, he's... indeed. And I've got to rate him punting the ball basically as well away at full time as well. Sensational. And I would just say yeah. to Chelsea, I mean, it's, it's um, so Chelsea social admin's fault, but you know, it's quite sort of. I do find it quite funny. They they post a tweet about him like calling it like proper, and it's a photo of him. And I'm like, yeah. Chelsea folks, for is also another player you could probably class as proper, who you're also seemingly quite happy to offload and get rid of. So I'm, you know, yeah. it's an interesting, interesting stance to take. But hey, I already ranted it enough is. about uh, the potential Conor Gallagher oh. decision on the previous pod, which people, if they missed it, go back and listen because that was some of my finest ranting work. Anyway, Pat, huh? as I said, it was really nice. There were a lot of positives today, but that last 15 minutes plus topage time. That was probably scarier than any horror film you will watch in a, in a long time. Uh, that was horrendous. Just to break down the sequence of events, in the 74th minute, Luton have a goal disallowed and offside. They put a really good cross in. Um, the 80th minute, they hit the woodwork. They then score from a corner in the 80th minute. They then hit the woodwork in the 85th minute, and they score in the 87th minute. Um, I... From being relatively comfortable, and I say relatively because, you know, I was aware of the threat Luton had and they, you know, had, Chelsea throughout the game had given away a, a decent number of free kicks and crosses. And I did think at one point something was going to land, but I can't, that was probably the worst passage of play and worst period of game management I've seen at Chelsea probably since. And I think this does surpass it for people who I'm taking back a few years now to seeing if people remember when Chelsea played Valencia away under Frank Lampard, it was a Champions League tie. Uh, the game at the time was too, too all. It was a crazy game in itself. Mateo Kovacic scored his first goal for Chelsea that night. Um, Pulisic scored for Chelsea. Kepa saved a penalty and then conceded a cross. It was a it was a bonkers game. But the point is, the score was too all, and that was like a fine result for Chelsea. If they'd lost, they would have basically gone out of Europe. If they'd won, they could have qualified, I think. But a draw was fine because they had Lille at home in the last game. Anyway, from that, and if anyone remembers that game. Valencia had like chance after chance after chance and missed like some sitters and you're just like and then the full time whistle blows and you're just like oh a brief because Frank and Chelsea like that was really naive and really poor but I think what I saw today Pat genuinely surpassed that like I've I've never been more terrified than I was at the end there and it, I was just like Chelsea you've been freed a lot like this has been so comfortable what are you doing that that period that passage of play was oh genuinely horrible and, it, like, and the fact is people are like we're 10th we're not even going for like a Premier League title we're not even really in contention for top four or who knows maybe even the European qualification but just genuinely and this was just a game to hopefully for us to maintain 10th place but I was so stressed watching that it was genuinely horrible and it was so frustrating because we were just giving the ball back to them so quickly there was no 
real killing time in the game, no trying to slow it down. It was just we could not get a grip on that. Pat, just that period of play just thought that was genuinely horrible. Horrible is the right word, and my blood pressure shot up because it's I mean, we were just inviting crosses in. It's like, have we forgotten that we're that we're, we're we're horrible at defending set pieces and crosses this season and and in seasons prior? It's like, like it'd be one thing if we actually you know, had a defensive like you know back when we had the John Terry's and Ivanoviches of the world and um, Carvalho's and and players like that. But right now, on the side that we have, we're dreadful at at defending set pieces and crosses. But yet we were inviting them to do that. We were backing off, you know, you know, giving it right back to them, letting them put it back out. And that's, that's Luton's bread and butter anyway. That's how they score their goals. And um, we were just, yeah, just cross after cross after cross. And we were like, I think it showed our indiscipline and it showed our naivete at times that we were just allowing that. And I think we did get complacent at three, at at three up, especially after the, uh, after VAR knocked off that first goal that they scored. But um, we got humbled really, really quickly. I mean, in a, I mean, it was it was all looting for like the last fifteen to twenty minutes, and we were just we were lucky to survive. I mean, it's there's no way that this should have been a three two game at the end. I mean, but, no, but that's what happens. I honestly, think if that game had gone on a little ten ten fifteen minutes longer, we probably could have lost that game. It was yeah, genuinely just just horrible. Um, Pat, the person who starts the combat the comeback. Ross Barkley, ah, it meant the three former Chelsea players have scored a Premier League goal against him in twenty twenty three. Can you name the other two? Oh, play for two London teams. That should be a hint. Oh man, um, Emerson is one. He scored in that one-all draw against yeah. West Ham under Graham Potter. Yeah. Um, are we talking about the calendar year or the season? Calendar year in twenty twenty three. Calendar, so calendar year. So yeah. So Emer- yeah. Emerson was one, and then um, hmm. They were both London teams? Yeah. Hmm. The other London team is within about a two-mile radius of Stamford Bridge. Uh, I'm going to kick myself. Since uh, uh, has a lovely afro. William? It was William, indeed. indeed. Oh, my so, word. Yeah. Oh, my word. Park, I can't believe, I can't believe it took that many hints for me to get that. Oh. It's fine. The greatest printer. But yeah, William. So yeah, Ross Barkley scored. And Pat, immediately after we go 3-1 down, Mauricio Pochettino, and I'll bring this in. Actually, no, I'll wait till the list of questions for, for what we do there. Uh, so it's 3-1, and then it's a hit post, and then Adebayo gets a goal. He'd been in form. Um, but yep. yeah, Chelsea, that was genuinely just horrible to watch. And the management of that last period was so incredibly poor. And it was, yeah, it was just really, really, really scary viewing. I just, it was just relief. And I said, I shouldn't be, you know, I was, I shouldn't have been a game where Chelsea are a 10th in the league. I shouldn't have been stressing me out this much, people. It should have been a nice, you know, we got the job done. Let's see how we move forward. And look, we did get the job done. And I'm very happy with the result. And I will get onto the positives and, you know, the bigger effect a bit later. But as I said, Chelsea was so poor defensively. The game management was so questionable. So let's move on to some of the listener questions. Um, first one comes in from RJ. Keen to hear you lads discuss our game management frailties as it's not been the first time we've looked vulnerable when in a leading position. Yeah, Pat, I'll be honest. I thought 
the game management was so poor. And I thought Maurizio Pochettino's game management was really poor today. It was the third game Chelsea played in six days. I believe that's the shortest turnaround out of any team in the Premier League. Because I said, we played Christmas Eve. We then had Palace on the Wednesday and we were the first game after, you know, in, in this next round of fixtures as well. There was only one sub made up till the 80th minute. And as soon as Luton scored, they and it's 3-1, he brings on Enzo Fernandez, and that's the only change. And then he brings on Alfie Gilfrey for Cole Palmer in the 90th minute. I just thought that it was just, and I know to an extent, Poch is limited by who he's got available, etc. And I'm, you know, and, but I thought that really the warning signs were there before Luton got it to 3 1. As we said, they had a disallowed goal in post bar. I thought that he essentially brought Enzo Fernandez on to try and gain a sense of control. But by the time Enzo was gone, of time Enzo was on, Luton, Luton were on the up. They, you know, they sensed blood and it was pretty much hard to stop them. Whereas maybe if Enzo could have come on a bit earlier, got into the game a bit quicker when we were free and up, maybe, you know, it could have been. Because I think at a point we just basically invited hope. But then also after that, n- nothing happens and they're still spamming crosses and they're looking lively. I mean, it takes over 90th minute to bring on Alfie Gilchrist, okay, and we if we said that he's sort of the one sort of centre-back option, because we know we're not going to bring on Ian Martin against Luton for the height, the physicality, it's just pointless sub. And, but I'm kind of thinking, Pat, that really, like, you probably could have brought on Gilchrist about 15 minutes earlier. And look, he, you know, he, you know, he not, didn't have to do loads against Palace, but he still just put himself out there. But as we actually saw that his communication when we came on against Palace was, was nice to see. And it was something that maybe we could have, we could have done with, because said our defence was all at sea. I just thought that the game management was kind of bizarre. Because also, as I said, I think, you know, the changes that I said, and, you know, Bro comes off for Nkunku 60 minute, I'm thinking that's absolutely fine. But then I said to then wait as long as he did for the next slot of subs and I said, Jackson stays on the pitch the whole game, fair play, he puts in a shift till the end. But I think he was looking a bit took by the end. And I said, there were options there, like fresh legs. He could have bought on Mudrick. And we know Mudrick's defensive weight, work rate has improved in recent weeks. But as I said, I thought Enzo Fernandez, the Enzo Fernandez came on late and the bring on Alki Kilchrist in the 90th minute, she, he probably should have been on before. I thought Poch's game management was really poor because I think it felt like the problem was happening right in front of him, but he wasn't, he didn't really react quickly enough to it. He sort of just let it happen. And then, you know, it almost like he tried to hope that the players would deal with the problem itself before he would have to take action. I just thought it was quite a slow response from him. And I thought the game management in particular was was really poor today. No, I agree with you. And after the game, I want to say that Potch was almost suggesting that um, when he was talking about we need to take more responsibility in the game and he was, put, he was putting it on the players when he when he really needed to look at himself as well because making those late subs, I mean, he's you need to realize when your players, when your players are tired and um, toward the end especially, it looked like the players were kind of just ball watching and we were just watching Luton put in, put in cross after cross and we were – trying to react instead of trying to instead of trying to you know pressure them and try to try to try to take away their space and shut them down it wasn't until Alfie Gilchrist came on you know when he um, I think that's why everyone was was cheering that basic uh one-on-one challenge that he won because we weren't doing a lot of that we weren't going to them we weren't challenging their players we were just waiting for them to cross in the ball and you know when when, when they've got players who are informed like Adebayo at the moment who's who's you know um, looking for those types of crosses, you're just you're letting them play their game, and we were we, we were playing a very dangerous game, and I, I think we needed I think we needed to make some substitutions to get some more energy on the pitch. I think 
you're you're absolutely spot on with getting Gilchrist on with maybe, you know, maybe at the 75, 80 minute mark rather than in the 90th minute. Um, I think that could have made a big difference in terms of, um, you know, trying to trying to lock them down and, uh, you know, put some pressure on them. And uh, instead of just giving them instead of just like pulling back and letting them put in any cross that they want, um, because we play we played right into their strengths. And I think if we had made some of those substitutions earlier, we could have we could have gotten more of a handle on locking the game down earlier than we because we never really did. We never got a lock on on locking down the game. We just thought we just thought three nil was going to be enough. Well, we 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 proved that you know without VAR and without a couple of shots off the woodwork, we could have we could have easily lost that game. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And as I said, I said I felt you know a problem was happening in real time, and it felt that. Instead of you know going just with a proactive option, just trying to kill it, try and kill it right there and then. He kind of let it evolve and let it happen, try and hope that the players could deal with it. But you know the players have played three games in the space of six days, and they're kind of also a bit tired. Yeah. And I said, you see from that first goal, I think it's Cole Palmer kind of loses or doesn't really mark Barkley. And I know he's had the game off for suspension, etc. But like again, that's an example. Cole Palmer comes on in the 90th minute. Could you have not taken him off? You know, before maybe you know the 75th, 80th minute or something. There, bring Gilchrist on, etc. Just get get Palmer that bit of rest. I yeah, I don't know. And said, said bring Enzo on. Like the fact is, I basically didn't notice Enzo Fernandez in my game because the ball so just bypassed because the ball spent a lot of ball the balls spent a lot of time down the sides and in the air and not yeah. really necessarily in the middle of a park. Enzo Fernandez just I didn't you know there was I think one moment like where he maybe got on the ball and tried to sort of dribble a little bit and go towards a corner at some point or kill some time that didn't really lead to anything. But I genuinely didn't notice Enzo Fernandez when he came on. So it just kind of showed that, you know, the plan to try and bring on at that point, it was, you know, it was really difficult to really make anything happen there. And I said, it was, yeah, that was, as I said before, the subs, I think were interesting midweek. Um, but I think today they're also just a lack of subs. I said the third game in six days, I said, I know the bench maybe isn't the strong, necessarily the strongest, but, you know, I think to only make three, to only use three subs up when, when it's the third game in six days was, Certainly interesting. Let's let's leave it at that. But yeah, that was RJ. That was that was just um really really poor. And I said, unfortunately, like part of that just does come to the fact it's a young squad, and I think maybe if there's more senior experience out there, it helps. Because said we saw how Thiago Silva dealt with that situation uh, compared yeah. to perhaps his, his peers out there. Maybe some more experience would have helped in that situation. But I also think Posh didn't really help himself or the players in that situation there as well. I said, you know, it's a third game in six days. Like, yeah. It was, it was not great uh, that, and I said subs definitely should have been been made earlier. Because said Luton at halftime, those changes certainly made made did make some sort of difference. And by the end, there they'll be you know regretting not probably starting Chong and some other players. But yeah, it was RJ. It was a really frustrating performance game management wise, and I guess that's why there will still be questions for people you know about Poch moving forward because that game kind of did have you know quite a lot to like Chelsea were fairly good in an attacking sense despite necessarily not creating loads or making Kaminsky make loads of really good saves but they were they did score some really good goals but also the defensive frailties are still there and a couple of questions you know the, on that Connor what seems to be the problem off the ball is it set pieces or just defensive attitude problem and Dan asked what do you make of our defensive frailties are they exclusive to set pieces and cross into box is it a case of too many defensive partnerships how would you fix the defence? Because obviously, Pat, that is the second game in three that we've conceded from a corner. Um, and as I said, we all know the difficulties we had in terms of the crosses and that. Obviously, it is another, as to Dan's 
question about defensive partnerships. It is obviously another different defensive partnerships because Benoit Badishil is out of this game. He does not play. Um, Tiago Silva comes in. Um, yeah, it was... The fact is that, for whatever reason, the set pieces are an issue because I've lost I've lost track of how many goals set pieces and crosses are an issue because I've lost track of how many goals we've conceded. But the fact that since I I the fact that I can probably recall off you know and it goes over like one hand I need probably two hands to count the amount of goals we conceded from set pieces or crosses into the box over the last month and a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not the coach. I don't necessarily know. You know, I'm not the one to know. I don't know how you necessarily coach defence or, or get out of it? Is it, you know, do you get different people marking? Is it you, the difference between zonal and man marking? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Is it just, you know, essentially that this squad is also quite young? Maybe some of they they occasionally switch off a bit. I don't know, but it is something that needs working on because Poch is also in games, gone for height in games, you know, mm-hmm. to deal with team supposed strengths. And that's also kind of not really made a difference in, in other games. That's something Jam touched on on the last... Pod. I think to today, I do think though, like I do think energy and tiredness is a factor because Luton did put some crosses in in that first 60, 65 minutes. They, you know, not as much as they did in the last 15 when they got some success and relief, but they did put some crosses in. And yes, a couple of them, you know, caused a little bit of problems, but Chelsea on the whole dealt with them well. So on today, I don't necessarily know. Like it's it's, it's a bit harder because like we just got a bombardment in that last fifteen minutes, and I do think fatigue today, and maybe I'm being generous on them here, did play a part. Maybe you know the fact that they were tired because I said I actually thought we dealt for the first sixty seventy minutes. I think that's the best you'll have seen a one of the big sides, so called big sides, deal with Luton in the Premier League this season. As I mentioned, Arsenal conceded three here and needed a last minute injury time. When a city went one 0 down and ended up winning two one, Liverpool, you know, needed a last minute equaliser to to draw one all here. You know, they've caused teams problems at Kennel Road, and I think they will continue to do that. So I do think the fact that the eighty percent of our game we managed Luton pretty well with this young squad was nice, and I didn't really think in that eighty percent of the game maybe there were some signs, but I didn't really look at us to think we were super fragile or super super frail defensively. I wasn't too I was just concerned that eventually one they you know they they would put a cross in eventually one of them you know would get the contact or it would be slightly better delivery than what they had put in. I'm kind of rambling here, but as I said I don't actually know what the for today anyway. I don't you know what is how yeah how you fix it today. I said I think ultimately you do that. You can you've got. I mean I guess on say you've just got to stop giving up the amount of volume of crosses you do, Chelsea. And they essentially just let the game be played out wide instead of in the in the centre of the pitch uh, in the end of that game. That didn't help. But Pat, I've, I've rambled on long enough, so just let me know your thoughts. I'm not even sure how much of that was coherent or made sense to people. I mean, it made sense to me. Um, I I don't know how you fix it either because because for goals that we've conceded that haven't necessarily come off, come off of crosses, a lot of a lot of goals that we've given up have been from just individual errors. And there's, I mean, I think about you know Benoit Badiashile. Um, you know, Tiago Silva had one a couple of weeks ago and they're, and they're like, just, it, it may be a misplaced pass or you miss the ball altogether. I mean, there's only so much coaching that you can do for that. I mean, there's, I mean, I can't blame that on Poch when a guy just has a complete mental lapse and has a, has a huge individual error from, from whether that's a lack of concentration or whatever it is. But um, 
it's just guys switching off. And I don't know that, I don't know with our current crop of defenders that, I mean, all of them have been, you know, I, I, I don't like to put Tiago Silva in that group, but the large majority of them, you know, have had their, their share of mental errors and that where they switch off for just a minute. And that's something that we're not used to at Chelsea historically, because we're used to, we, we're used to the likes of John Terry and Gary Cahill and um, Carvalho and Ashley Cole and Bronislav Ivanovic and all these guys that, you know, more often than not, you know, just could stay, could, could, could had just remarkable levels of concentration over 90 minutes. And these guys are not those guys. I mean, they're, they're young. I'm not saying they can't develop into that, but they're young. They're, they're indisciplined at times, you know, Tiago Silva aside. And, um, but yeah, even, even Tiago Silva has had the, 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 the occasional air here and there, but I don't think there's much that you can do with coaching to get out of that. I do think that we need a set piece coach. I think that I'd like to see someone come in and I've been clamoring. We're making all these signings of, you know, new players and whatnot. Can we not please go out and get a set piece coach that's worth his salt, his or her salt um, to coach these guys on defensive set pieces. Um, I think overall defense across the league has been a problem. Um, uh, I don't, we're, we're certainly not the only team with defensive problems. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other teams that can that 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 have their own problems to deal with, but um, I don't think one signing is going to magically make it make it all better. Mano, we're we I feel like we already have like twenty seven center backs, and yet we're still in the market to get another one. But it's I don't think one new signing is going to magically fix all these problems. I think it's only building discipline and um, and and guys learning to learning to be to have more concentration because, you know, there's only, like I said, there's, there's only, there's not even the best coaches in the world can fix individual errors on the pitch. Um, all you can do is try to teach discipline to the guys and um, they have a responsibility to themselves to be, to be disciplined over the course of 90 minutes. So I don't think there's a one, I don't think there's a magical fix to this. I just think that hopefully with experience and with time, they can, they can improve on what they've been doing, you know, on what they've done this season, because right now it hasn't been good enough. Yeah. I also think to ask question, I also don't think we will really see a game like this again this season. I think Luton are quite a unique opposition in this sense. I can't think of another team who will sort of play necessarily like this and maybe a wilder Sheffield United, maybe, but I'm not sure Chelsea will really face the threat of what, what they came under against Luton Day, I'm not sure we'll see how many, you know, I mean, don't get wrong, it's a weakness. And I said on the previous pod with with, with Jam, I said, if you're like Luton, just like, you know, the way you play, it just crosses into the box and see what happens. And uh, and they got some luck today. But yeah, like today is such a freakish game, like in terms, I feel like to analyse, because yes, Chelsea can see the corner. And in terms of the corners, I guess, you know, like it is kind of bizarre the amount of goals we can see from corners. And there obviously must be something fundamentally wrong there in terms of the coaching or whatever and the, all the setup that Poch is, is doing there again I'm not you know I don't necessarily know I'm not the coach I don't know my coaching page so I don't necessarily how you you do that bit obviously but but and said crosses into box as well I guess it's you know can Chelsea just be that bit quicker getting out to the ball to try and close down crosses or you know not make it as easy for people to cut in crosses try and take them down the line a bit more like Gilchrist kind of did at the end of that game there to, to doubt he didn't sort of let him cut in or whatever. he sort of made him go down down the line um this Luton side is uh, a little bit like a Tony, like a classic Tony Pulis. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking it's, 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 yeah, it's like a, a Tony Pulis side, but 
sort of on steroids like it's yeah. it's yeah. it's just it's just more yeah. extreme and it, it's not it's not it's not uh it, it yeah and it's 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 crosses not throw-ins but it was right they don't have a roid they, they don't have a they don't have a roid to lap to uh to, no exactly yeah if lutatel could get like a rory to, you could you know get rory to lap from like 2009 into their side crikey they would be they would be the most lethal i'm guessing i, I guess just watching this game this must be just how arsenal fans felt just watching them play stoke up like all the time under, under yeah for a period of time that just must have been what it felt like because i just the, i can't remember the, being that terrified they're just a, they're just a Peter Crouch away from being a Tony a, a Tony Pula Stokes side, right? Yeah, no, exactly. It was it, uh, it, honestly, it was just such a unique game. I don't think we will see yeah. another game like that. That's it. a good point. And, That's and a also, good point. just like and I, and I don't know. Do games just like this sometimes happen? I honestly don't know because I was thinking back. You know, I I gave that example of the of the Lampard game against Valencia. Also, remember a game years back under good sitting Chelsea were playing Bolton they were four nil up and they ended up winning four three and they basically yes. and that was that Chelsea team like that great Chelsea team and I, I can't remember if they were slightly yeah. distracted if there was a European game coming in the midweek or whatnot but that was a game where Chelsea you know can drive or you know did their best to try and try and throw it away. So I don't know like if this is just also one of the major free games that sort of happens. Um it's I'm just wary of going too on board on sort of the frailties and set because as I said We've seen the problems that they've caused Arsenal and yeah. City and Liverpool, like the, the big sides this season. And we did come through this test quite well. But yeah, and, the and it's funny you bring up great. that Bolton game. Was that was was that still when Sam Allardyce was still at Bolton, uh, who who would have played a very similar brand of football? That uh... I'm gonna look up Chelsea. I'm gonna look up Chelsea for Bolton three. But I'm gonna. But also, I feel that the comeback was in a similar amount of time. As well, yeah. well, or was Sam Allard? Sam Allardyce might have been Blackburn manager at this point. I'm trying. Okay, to... I wasn't sure because I, I, I wasn't sure if he was still at Bolton at that point. Yeah, because basically, that in that game, Chelsea were falling up with uh, 20 minutes with 30 minutes to go. Mm. And then that's a Bolton good that's a good three, call though. Bolton scored three goals in eight minutes, and Chelsea had to hold on for 12 minutes plus injury time with a <laughs> with an additional um, additional uh, uh, yeah with with just a one goal lead. So I'm going to see. We never make it easy. Yeah. No, exactly. I'm just going to see to answer Pat's question if it says who the manager was. Obviously, hitting no Bolton's manager, Gary Megson. Oh, oh wow, there's a name from the past. Yeah, this is Gary exactly, Megson. Exactly. That's that's just another game where I just think of Chelsea being fallen off in sort of Predator Cruz. Still though, somehow. still that would still be the brand of football that Gary Megson would have played too, though. So. Yeah. Um, you know, just yeah, just, no, throw, exactly. just throw it into the box because that was still a, a group of Sam Allardyce players for the most part. Um, a lot of his signings with the way he would play, with, with the with the type of football he would play. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, in terms of defensive, I said I, yeah, I don't know. I think I said for the the goal Barley scores, I think Palmer just sort of lets him go. And I think unfortunately, I also like it's going to sound like you know just non football intangible stuff, but that goal just gives Luton belief. Like belief is just so powerful, and like it gets that mm-hmm. crowd up. And it's just these small things. And Luton is a small, compact ground. Yeah, like they're on top of you, and you can hear everything. Yep. And also just like that, like that fierce belief in them as well, which is quite like you give them that and it's just quite hard to shake. Like if that corner yep. doesn't lead to anything, Chelsea may yep. well just go on and win that game 3-0. It is also just moments. And then we're not necessarily talking in as much maybe depth or details, Chelsea defensive priorities. But no, the corners are an issue. It is frustrating. Again, it's very reminiscent of Brendan Rodgers' Leicester side at least sort of towards the end. Like his, his team just kept conceding corners, if anyone remembers that. Yep. Again, it's just very frustrating um 
I'm not sure if it's... I think defend, different defensive punches probably makes some bit of a difference, Dan. Um, but I'm not sure. And I said for Connor, I'm not sure if it's necessarily just a defensive attitude problem. Because I said for the first 60, 70 minutes of that game, I've actually, you know, I thought our defensive attitude was pretty good. I also, you know, maybe it switched off a bit. As I said, being freed up, maybe it was a little bit of an attitude problem. I also think, as I said before, three games in six days, I think maybe we were just a bit tired as well. And maybe, you know, dangerously tried to sort of take our foot off the gas a little bit. And you can't, you can't really afford to do that in the Premier League. No, it was... It was a crazy game and we've tried to make sense of it. What happened, it was bizarre. It was crazy. But what I would say to people is, as horrible as that period was, be very happy because Pat, Chelsea have won two games in a row. And I'm not sure how many of us really were true, could truly confidently say Chelsea would get two wins from Crystal Palace and Luton. I thought Chelsea would beat Crystal Palace, but I, I kind of generally said, if the season follows the script, Chelsea will beat Crystal Palace and they'll drop points to Luton. Uh, and given that Chelsea had won the 12.30 kickoff in, in one and a bit, nearly two years or so, or coming up, you know, one and right. one and a bit, it, I was kind of just wary. Um, but also with how with, with, so, how, yeah. with, how, with how poor we've been in the holiday, in the busy holiday fixture periods for the last several years. I mean, yeah, I mean, and just I, the general I mean, up and down nature of Chelsea this season as well. So yeah. just to get it, and I know there'll be some people who go, well, Crystal Palace and Luton had to be six points. Okay, well, it was, we got six points. So we did get that done. We played some quite nice stuff in those two games as well. And there was a lot to, yeah. to like from, from some of our attacking players yeah. in those games as well. So it was, so that was there, quite There's nice no gimmies stuff. in the Premier League though. There's th- That's the thing. Exactly. If we haven't learned anything, there's no, there's no automatic three points anymore in the Premier League. Anybody can beat anybody on a given, on a given day. And, and it still happens. I mean, Luton's taking points off of teams. They shouldn't have taken points off of. And, um, you know, they've, they've, they've improved over the course of the season. So this is a different Luton side than the one that we played earlier in the season. No, agreed, agreed. That Luton side looked like a side going probably straight down to the championship. And now this Luton side looked like a team of scrappers, but could well, yep. could well stay up. So no, it, it said, you know, maybe people go, oh, we, you know, we shouldn't be going aboard by winning against Luton. But I said, you know, Arsenal needed an injury time win here. City only won 2-1 yeah. here. Like Teams have not had an easy game. Spurs only won 1-0 here. Like No team has come to Luton New- and New- them. And, and Newcastle, but, I mean, I know Newcastle struggled Newcastle recently, but it. they lost. They, yeah, Newcastle exactly. lost to Luton, right? So, exactly. Yeah. So we know like this is not an easy game. So And for Chelsea, just to get the business done is also quite nice because how many times have we, you know, Chelsea slipped up in games where, you know, we think they probably shouldn't have. Yep. The reality is, you know, Chelsea are still 10th. But you look yeah. at that now, Chelsea, and I, I'm, and I'm wary of saying this because people who listen to the pod on on Thursday will know what I said. We're only a few points off Brighton. We're only a few points off West Ham. And Brighton and West Ham but, uh, probably went on to beat Spurs and Arsenal. Um, but the point is, is, at the time of recording, we are one point off Newcastle, who are ninth. We are two points off Brighton, who are eighth. We're three points off Man United, who are seventh. And we're six points off West Ham in sixth. And then, okay, we're eight points off Spurs in fifth. But the point being is that Chelsea... They've done the business in these two games. And if Chelsea can just, you know, we've got a period now in January where this next few weeks, the outlook on Chelsea can look fairly, fairly positive for the first time in what feels a while. There's a, there's a real, you know, if things go to plan as they should, Chelsea should find themselves in the Carabao Cup final. Well, once, you know, the end of January is completed, they should find themselves in the fourth round of the FA Cup, potentially, you know, draw dependent, hopefully fifth round of the FA Cup when once January is done as well. And there's also a game at home to Fulham there and, you know, we beat Fulham fairly comfortably at Craven Cottage early on the season. We've got that 12.30 kickoff hoodoo 
hopefully have a win. If Chelsea, you know, in this run of games, can put a run together because that's two wins now. And if this is a big if, and I've, you know, there's no evidence of Chelsea putting really significant runs of form together, but, you know, these are some free cup games here, should help that. If Chelsea can put a run of game, you know, win these next four games before Liverpool and maybe five, depending on the, the FA Cup, then all of a sudden, it said the outlook on Chelsea can look quite different. There are still glaring issues. We know that last 20 minutes is not really good enough from what we saw. But those first 70 minutes, I was really happy with, despite the fact that I don't think Chelsea necessarily played great. As I said, I thought it was so nice for Chelsea were 3-0 up in a game for the first time in forever where they hadn't really been exceptional. And I thought Luton had actually played fairly well throughout that period as well. So, yeah, look, we're 10th. We're doing all right. You yeah, know, and the do, fact we've, is we've done we've, we've done okay in this Christmas period. You know, it's yeah. been up and down. It was frustrating. Obviously, we know we lost to, to Newcastle at the end of November, but then in December we, we beat Brighton, we lost to United and then Everton, we beat Sheffield United, we lost to Wolves, we beat Palace and we beat um Luton. So it's it's four wins from eight, and you know, I think there's 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 four defeats in there. So it kind of just sums up the up and down nature and four from eight, you know, it kind of just sums up Chelsea being in tenth. Etc. But you know there was there's been stuff to like, and hopefully the emergence of Noni Madueke coming to the fore, a player who we've not really yeah. considered to be, you know, we've not really looked at going, you know, being part of this team going forward necessarily. You know, it's not to go overboard, but the signs and there's things to hope. They said Chelsea are three points off seventh place, you know, which is the Europa Conference League. We'd obviously want greater than that, but the point is for all the chaos, for all the messiness. For all the frustration around Chelsea at the moment, they're not far. They're in the hunt for European football at the yeah. halfway point of the season, which isn't bad. Mm. We've got less points than we'd like. We've had some performances we we'd really gladly take back. You know, we've had some. You know, we're not where we want to be. But Pat, the point is, Chelsea after Wolves, which you know, just the manner of it just felt so dispiriting going into Christmas. Chelsea have bounced back well. And they've done the business so far, which is all we can ask for in that since, since the response to Wolves a week ago. Yeah. And I think um, another thing to remember is like, who are the sides that we've struggled against? It's been teams that that put in a low block, teams that usually are either with or below us in the table. Um, a lot of those teams that don't play that that slick type of football where they're, where they're, where they're spaced, where there's space to take advantage of. Um, you know, Luton's a team that, you know, they'll sit back and then they'll counterattack. And those have been the teams that we've struggled against. And uh, Crystal Palace is another team. Roy Hodgson's side sits back and they counterattack. Um, they don't play that slick Manchester City type football that you know that where we where we can exploit space. So the fact that we've been able to score three goals today um, and you know two against two against Palace. I mean, I know not all of them were were in open play, but um, getting two wins against sides that kind of sit back and um, make it hard for you, you know, uh, try to frustrate you from scoring. Um, I think that's another positive to take out of this is that we're is that we is that we're putting we're putting the ball in the net against teams that, quite frankly, last season, the season before, and earlier this season, we struggled to do that because one of the game plans against Chelsea is to sit back and just absorb the pressure, and we and we and we couldn't score. So the fact that we're actually scoring multiple goals in games, I think that's another positive. Or we're we're either scoring an open player, or we're we're pressuring them and putting them into situations where they can see penalties. So. Um, I think that's another positive in and of itself as well. So we can talk about it's only Crystal Palace, it's only Luton. We dropped points against those very teams earlier this season and in previous seasons. So except let's celebrate Crystal the fact Palace, that we're taking. We just have a hoodoo over, except I should say, except for Crystal Palace, who we are just on. Yeah, the that's true. Of true. Against. No matter but, how, but I get what you mean about those type of yeah. teams. Those type of teams. 
Yeah, no, 100%. but yeah, but you're right about Palace. I mean, no matter how poor we are, we always seem to be Palace. But um, it's it's just nice to be beating teams that we should be beating, and um, you know, and, and you know, against the likes of the Liverpools and the Man Cities of the world, we show up in those games. So um, I think there's a lot to be, you know, optimistic about moving forward. And we know with this team, they can, you know, they can put together a couple of games, and then they'll have an They'll have one of those head scratching performances where where we get frustrated again. But that's a, that's the that that's what we're dealing with at the moment. Like it or not, that's the team at the moment. They're they're inconsistent. Um, but hopefully, there's brighter. I still believe that th- there can be brighter days ahead. We just have to keep working. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. You know, the, the festive period has typically been up and down for Chelsea, um, yep. but we're still coming to the end of that period with two wins which is nice and said we now get to focus on cup football and you know sorting our priorities out there and I said it's just nice for Chelsea just to go into that with a little bit of form and as I said the league position is not where we want but we're not that far off Europe and you'd like to think this team can improve in the second half of the season get better and you know some of those results may may stop happening again who knows if that last 20 minutes again soon today won't have done much to 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 ease people's confidence with that idea but as I said it's Chelsea end the year in a brighter in a brighter place and yeah then certainly it's been it's just been a crazy 2023 people you know we would have predicted we'd be being relatively okay with Chelsea being 10th in uh at the end of the calendar year Uh, but you know but you know being happy because we're in domestic you know domestic semi-final etc no it's it's been a crazy year but you know and I'm not going to say things are things are on the up but you know it's been at the end this this season has certainly had more promising shoots than what we did see see last season, you know. And I know that's not going to be enough for some people, but yeah, we we got the we got the job done at a tricky place today. Regardless yeah. of what people say, you know, we don't need to go overboard. You know, people just treat it however you want to treat it. But it felt like a big, it felt an important play win to get done. You say it keeps us in the hunt for European football through league position. And yeah, we'll just wait and see. We attention now focuses to the cup, and we can just really look forward to hopefully. You know, a few weeks and hopefully some stress-free matches uh, in there. But you know, we'll wait to see what Chelsea have got best leave to to not have, make sure that happens. But yeah, that's going to wrap up the pod. It's the final episode of 2023. I want to thank you for all your support this year. It's been you know, not the most enjoyable year to be honest. Doing a podcast covering Chelsea, I'll be honest, folks. Like there are times where I, I'm like I question this. I'm like, really, really, do you not have anything better to do? Um, why do you do this to yourself? But no, it's yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a journey we've been on. People, uh, as I said, forty seven episodes. I dread to. I, I reckon the, it's probably been more losses than wins, unfortunately. Um, but you know, we've we've had some highs. You know, we've had we've had discussing a win against Bruce Dortmund in the Champions League. We've had beating Spurs four one at their place, normal service regime. We've had some crazy games against City, etc. We've also just had some downright abysmal games like Newcastle, like Man United. Um, etc. It's it's been a crazy year, folks. I'm I'm ho- here's to hoping 2024 is less crazy. Let here's to hoping 2024. We're talking about some success on the pitch for Chelsea, and said that's very you know that is a possibility with with the Carabao Cup, etc. So I just want to thank you all for all your support in 2023. Um, I will see you in 2024. I'm Pat. Just give yourself one last plug where people can find you. Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me on, Nick. It's always an honor to be on this wonderful podcast. You do a phenomenal job. Um. So you can find me on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, and Instagram. My handle is PTP underscore C-O-Y-B. I love to talk to anybody about Chelsea and 
um, you know, love, love it. If you give it a follow and um, look for look forward to talking to you on there. Lovely, lovely stuff. As I said, it's been a pleasure having you on Pat. And folks, I've not even mentioned it's been quite, this has probably been one of the happiest weeks of Chelsea season for a while. We've had two wins, Arsenal, lost at home to West Ham. Spurs lost to Brighton. Granted, those two results didn't do, do much for us. And Man United lost to, to Nottingham Forest. Like, when is the last time? And this is the time of recording because Arsenal and Spurs play tomorrow. But this has so far been, from since Wednesday, kind of a perfect three days to be a Chelsea fan, folks. You know, which, you know, so just enjoy it. Drink it in, etc. Um, But no, as for us, we're on Twitter or X is that Chelsea Podron, Instagram that Chelsea Podron, all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please leave a rating and review. It means a lot. It helps us get us out there to as many people as possible. Whenever I tweet the pod out, any likes and reposts go a long way as well. As I said, you know, at the end of the day, we are just Chelsea fans talking about one club we love and we want to try and reach as many of you as possible. As I say 2023 was challenging. Um, and here's hoping 2024 is is happy with many, with happier moments to talk about for Chelsea. But uh, yeah. Enjoy the rest of 2023, folks, and we'll see you in 2024. Until the next episode, keep the blue flag flying high. Oh, I nearly had a heart attack at that ending. Cole Palmer. That is all. Sports Social Podcast Network.